0: chapter 4 verses 11 through 16. <clears throat> so Christ himself gave the Apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we, re- we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. as each part does its work. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word.
1: Uh, I'm Kurt Buchanan. I'm on staff here at Hillcrest and thrilled to be sharing with you today. Uh, If you're watching us online, again, maybe some of you are there because uh, you couldn't get your car started this morning or there was too much ice on the windshield. Anybody have to do a lot of scraping on their way here? (laughs) Uh, courageous people. If you're joining us online, reach out to us and connect to us. Uh, You can reach out on any of our social platforms. We'd love to connect with you there. Now, years ago, I heard um, the benefits and limitations of synergy explained to me, and I laughed when I heard it. I want to share it with you today, Uh, and it kind of relates to some of the themes that we've been talking about lately. You know, two are better than one, but 50 are not necessarily better than two, okay, if two neighbors have to shingle their roofs, and if they each tackle their projects independently, it will take longer and be more frustrating than if they work together and first tackle, you know, the first roof and then the second roof, then again, they'll be more productive, it'll be more efficient. That's what synergy is, as I understand it. It's cooperation that leads to greater efficiency and productivity, But if 50 people in a neighborhood try to use the same approach and shingle a single house together, somebody's gonna get hurt. You're on the roof with 50 people, you might sneeze and knock three or four other people off. Right, 50 people on a house is not a safe or productive work environment. But shingling 50 roofs two by two isn't necessarily the best way either. See, if you have 50 roofs to shingle, it's going to take some organization. It's going to require the use of specific skills, specific assignments, leadership, and cooperation. I think that's what's re- referred to kind of in the business world as scale or scaling. When you scale an organization, it means the systems and structures in place are adjusted to match the current dynamics or the dynamics that you anticipate coming in the future. And if an organization can't scale or won't scale, it'll kind of run into chaos, ineffectiveness, or be, limited in what it can, or be limited to what it can do according to its current systems and structures. Again, further to the point, if there is a fire, and it only takes a handful of firefighters a couple of hours to put out, there is no need for catering. The firefighters can take care of their own lunch, but if there's a forest fire that takes weeks to put out, you need a cook, (laughs) you need to take shift rotations, Um, you need uh, a place to rest for the firefighters, you need leadership to oversee, you need communication, you need to organize and coordinate what's happening in a variety of different areas all at once. See, we're wrapping up a series that we've been in since the beginning of January called Vital relationships. This year we've been taking a look at aspects from our discipleship pathway, which you can actually see here now, kind of the five areas that we've been talking about this year uh, in our discipleship pathway. Um, we launched our discipleship pathway and after doing that we spent some time with in walking with Jesus. And we're just finishing up our series now about connecting small. We're headed into a series about sharing the work and then after that on to engaging in mission. And our hope is that each of you are able to identify your next step in these areas so that you can grow spiritually, so that you can experience fruitfulness and joy on your spiritual journey. We have an online assessment that you can do at any time. You can prayerfully consider what's next. You can do that by visiting hillcrestmj.com forward slash next steps. And again, we are here then to support you in that journey. Now, in this series, we've been talking about several kinds of vital relationships. First, we talked about providential relationships those friendships or mentoring relationships that God uses to form us or transform us into being mature disciples of Jesus. Ecclesiastes 4 9 to 12 says it well. Again, you know, two are better than one is the opening line. But in fact, it ends up in the end of the verses that a cord of three strands um, is exponentially stronger. And when two people invite God into their friendships, into their relationship, God does something miraculous among them. And that's why we urge you all to connect small. That's why we're taking this time out to talk about this particular value. We want you to join a group, build friendships in our community of faith, and put the Lord at the center of those relationships. See, our groups are great places to find friends or find mentors. Now, if you would like someone to mentor you, reach out to someone that you look up to and see if that's something that they would be willing to do. If you have no idea where to start, reach out to us here at the church and we'll try to get you connected. And by the way, if you're willing to share your life experience and your faith with someone, let us know that you'd you'd like to play that part in being a mentor. And you don't have to be perfect either to be a mentor. I heard a story recently. One man who became a Christian late in life and had a very broken past. He approached his pastor and said, would you please use me as a great bad example? He said, use all of the parts in my life that didn't go so well as an example for these teens so that they can learn from my mistakes. And because he... Offered himself to be in that mentoring role, again, there's many teams that are being set on the right path. And through it, God is reconciling and redeeming his broken past for his purposes. And you can do that too. Now, beyond providential relationships, we also have talked about marriage and parenting and how those can play a key role in discipleship, in our growth, in our spiritual growth. Pastor Laura did such a great job of reminding parents to parent through the lens of the gospel. Okay, And then when we're reminded by the Scripture, when we're guided by the Scripture, and by the Spirit, um, those relationships can really teach us a lot about God and about life. Okay, If you missed those messages, I encourage you to go back and uh, take them in. Again, you can find them on our podcast or on our YouTube channel. I encourage you to do that if you've missed those so far. Now, last week and this week are about connecting small in groups, the vital nature of our small groups here at Hillcrest. Last week, Dave Wicks, uh, he talked about our deep need for connection, about the reality of human need, that we were designed for connection with God and with others. And he had three kind of major points that I'd like to summarize again for us. He said, acknowledge that it's God's design. The scriptures teach it, research, and even common experience demonstrate it. We are meant to be in meaningful relationships with other people. He also said, embrace the need. That means to set aside your individualism, which I believe is one of the foremost enslaving idols in our culture. He got us all to turn to our neighbor and say two things forcefully. Do you remember what they were? He said, you need me. You can turn to your neighbor and say it, right? You need me. Okay, that wasn't as forcefully as last week. Come on now. Uh, You need me. And what was the other one? I really need you. Yes. His third point was this, join the tribe. It's a simple appeal to join this community of faith, to make connections here, to join our life groups, to connect in those small, meaningful ways, not just public ways, but also social and personal and even intimate relationships. Okay, so Connect Small is all about this. You can read it over here, where someone cares about your spiritual growth. Now, spiritual growth is not just about conquering weaknesses. It's about applying your God-given strength, and that's what we're going to kind of focus on today. Purpose. So we're going to look at some of the verses that we looked at last week and highlight this element. Ecclesiastes 4, this is verses 9 to 12. This is our scripture reading from last week. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So we do need to connect small for belonging, support, comfort, and encouragement, but we also because of purpose and mission. See, they had a shared labor, and I bet you missed that on the way by when we were looking at it last week. They had a shared labor. It's not just lonely people, weak and feeble, falling down, defenseless in the cold, though sometimes we feel like that. It's not just about overcoming cold or vertigo or being less of a victim. It's about purpose, meaning, and mission. And together, there is an exponential growth to their labor. Their investment is multiplied when God is at the center. See, ropes are not just supposed to be hard to break. Ropes have a purpose, many and varied. They are strong for a reason. I believe you can see this in the verses that we looked at about marriage as well. This is Genesis 2, verse 18. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, it's not just a companion to only conquer uh, aloneness. But the word helper actually is a military word that is more like reinforcements, as in, the battle will be lost as we are. But if there are reinforcements It will change our fate from total loss to total victory. That's the kind of word that it is. See, marriage is not only about conquering uh, loneliness or aloneness, it leads to great victory. There's a battle to be won. There is a purpose for your marriage. Marriage is the first societal structure that God put in place, and on it the family is built, but also the rest of society. And as a society rejects and redefines marriage, it causes its own collapse. And you can see that in a variety of civilizations over large periods of history. See, your marriage is not just about the two of you, and it's not just about the kids. There is a greater purpose for your marriage. We also see this in the early church, in the verses we looked at in Acts 2, verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. But why did they devote themselves to these things? Because they had purpose. They had a mission. They were making disciples because Jesus said to go and make disciples. And after an encounter with Jesus, there's always this moment where he invites us to go on mission with him. He says to everyone that follows him, go and make disciples. See, lots of people love the encounter with God. It's profound. It's it's awesome. But many people don't care for the call to obedience that comes afterwards. And religious types don't mind, you know, leaning into religious activity and moral living. But too often this becomes too great a focus. And we forget that our holiness is meant to make us more effective in the mission, not be a distraction from the mission. If you forget about the mission, prayer, Bible teaching, fellowship will all start to seem like religious obligations that are stifling your lifestyle. But if you encounter Jesus and you answer his call to engage in mission, it will be the spark to a fire of devotion. See, in order to make disciples, you need new believers. You need to teach them. You need to get them connected to the community of faith Make sure that needs are being met and then get them investing in the mission, starting with prayer. As Dave was preaching last week, he mentioned Mark Messier's book, No One Wins Alone. And Messier uh, said this, As we went through training camp and started the season, we bought into an all-for-one team-first mentality and it paid off. We took off on a hot streak and never looked back. We won 19 more games than we had ever won before and ended, up 30, and ended up 37 more points. Our team scored 417 goals, and no franchise had ever broken 400 before. Everybody knew their role, and everybody was happy. There were no clicks. Everyone, uh, we were one. How many of you are hockey fans? Anybody out there hockey fans? Not really. Some, okay. Yeah, just... Okay, I'm, I'm not worried, as worried as I might have been a few moments ago, because I played hockey for about four years, and I didn't care for it. I, you know, I had asthma as a kid, and so I think I started skating late. You know, in the winter time, asthma had, uh, was always worse for me, and I kind of spent lots of my time uh, in a tent at the hospital. And uh, and so I learned to, to skate much later than other kids. You know, I relied heavily on pushing a pylon around while I was doing it. And eventually, I was put in hockey, where I held myself up with my stick. That was my kind of hockey experience. For four years, I was kind of in that uh, environment. And uh, they made me a defenseman, and uh, because I couldn't skate, uh, I could just kind of hold myself up with my stick, and they thought, well, at least if we put him kind of down in this area, he'll be an obstacle, so long-range shots might be stopped, or at least something to skate around if somebody's on a breakaway. I remember one such breakaway where there I am, kind of just you know made it back into my zone ahead of this breakaway, and uh, I'm you know thinking, goodness sakes, here I am, and I'm the one who's supposed to stop this puck, and I just lost my balance and found myself staring at the lights on the ceiling. And uh, luckily enough, the goalie stopped the puck, so there wasn't you know this score. But I kind of felt bad, and I think my dad noticed this. And he was always very encouraging, though I showed no promise for the sport. He said, you know what, sometimes as a defenseman, the best thing that you can do is get out of the way so that the goalie can see the puck coming. And I thought, yeah, I lost my balance for the play, for the sake of the team. Me looking at the lights on the ceiling, that was the best thing for the team. Now, beyond not being very great at hockey, I, I almost have no competitive spirit whatsoever when it comes to games like hockey or almost anything else. A board game, the outcome of a hockey game, or it, really any game, it doesn't matter to me. I just don't care to win. I really don't. Uh, and it's even more strange when I see other people. Like so, that's when I'm playing the game. But when I see other people watching a game, you know, they're in the stands. You know, they've got they're favorite colors on, they're cheering loudly, or even people at home who are yelling at the TV. They look insane to me, right? They, they seem hysterical and fainting, like American girls when the Beatles arrived and played the Ed Sullivan show. Do you, have you seen footage of that? They just look, ow. Oh. That's what every sports fan looks like to me. Again, I'm glad there aren't too many hockey fans here today. Okay, I just I can't hardly get behind it. It doesn't matter to me if we win. I know there's great value in team sports, you know, learning how to face defeat with grace. Um, You know, those values are wonderful. Practice, dedication, those things, teamwork are all good things. I think when it comes to sports or games, you might have a lot of competitive spirit, or you might not. But whether or not you're invested in what's happening, all comes down to whether or not the win is important to you. See there are some things where the win matters. Did you know that God has one plan to reach and save the whole world? He has a plan A and no plan B. Do you know what it is? The church. And not just kind of the church in a global, you know, abstract sense out there in the world out there in the world believers wherever they might be. I believe that's a very abstract, individualistic, unhealthy understanding of the church. Because I really don't think there is such thing as the global church without the local church. The church is when those people who put their faith in him are joined together in a spiritual family. A spiritual house or a spiritual body. Joined together and held together by ligaments and sinew and other things like we see in our scripture reading for today. Now, you might have reasons why you aren't deeply connected to a church family. But be very careful to discern whether or not they are your circumstances or your excuses. See, the Bible has examples of people who long to be connected like they once were to the community of faith. But for one reason or another, maybe prison like Paul or other things, they're unable to be among God's people. In fact, several psalms are about what it's like to worship God when you're distant from the community of faith. Circumstances can limit how you participate in the community. But many of you, if you're honest, remain loosely connected at best because of excuses that you have. I don't want to beat beat you up about it. I just want to warmly welcome you to embrace being a part of this body. Don't hold back. You will be blessed and we will be blessed if you do, if you lean in. See, the church is God's plan A. There's no plan B. And the church is the way that God is working out His plan in our world. If you're a follower of Jesus, I believe you're supposed to be all in when it comes to the local church. And I want the church to win. Mercier's team all wanted to win, but only when they worked together did they really hit their stride. And if we're going to win, we're going to have to work together as a team. And like Messier said, everybody knew their role and was happy. And they were one. So we need to connect small for belonging and support, for encouragement, for friendship. But we also need to connect small because of the purpose and mission that we have. This is how we're going to accomplish the mission, God's mission. Our scripture reading for today highlights certain gifts that are meant to catalyze all believers into works of service that lead to a healthy, vibrant church where people are drawn towards maturity in Christ. So let's take a look quickly at these verses again. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, starting in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Now we don't have enough time to really go into much detail about these particular gifts or roles within the church, but let me take a crack at a few simple definitions, okay? The apostles. These were the key leaders that Jesus empowered to lead the church. They spent time with Jesus and knew his teaching inside and out, and how to read the scripture in light of Jesus. The original apostles were instrumental in giving the church the New Testament. The word apostle means sent one, So they are often the ones that are going out and starting something new. They are often entrepreneurs and pioneers. The prophets. Those who hear the voice of the Lord and speak the the Lord's words. This can be as simple as sharing a Bible verse with someone to encourage them. Or may involve dreams and visions and even details about future things. The evangelists. Those who are uniquely gifted at telling and retelling the gospel, which is good news. Evangelists, you could almost, this is, again, going to be a terrible way to use English, but good newsers. That's what an evangelist is. Okay? Pastors, or sometimes shepherds. These are the shepherds that walk among and alongside people on their spiritual journey, giving care, encouragement, And rebuke when necessary. Teachers, they make spiritual truths clear. And they help people to put those truths into gear. Now there's way more that we could say about those. And in time I hope uh, that we can. But again, just to highlight that these gifts, these roles, when they're working together in unity, they catalyze the church towards action and maturity. Again, verse 12 says, To equip These these particular gifts are meant to equip his people for works of service. So let me remind you, you are loved. God made you. He had you in mind before the creation of the world. God in Christ died on the cross for you. He came to conquer sin and death. He longs to have a personal relationship with you. And... He wants you to mature as a Christian and be a part of his mission. Now, if you've never made a decision to embrace Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can do that right now. Just a simple prayer, and you can begin your journey. You can say this prayer with me. Dear Father, thank you that you love me and you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. You can say, I put my trust in, in Jesus as my Lord and Savior and help me live a life that honors you by the power of your Holy Spirit. If you made a decision like that today, would you let us know? We would love to support you in that critical decision that you've made. Now some of you would like a church that is two people with two roofs to shingle. But I'm afraid the mission is bigger than that. And we can't just be 50 people standing around having coffee break while a handful of people are up on the roof working. This mission is going to take some scaling. It's going to require the use of specific skills, specific assignments, leadership and cooperation. It means the systems and structures that we have in place need to be adjusted to match the current dynamics and the dynamics that we anticipate facing in the future. Because the reality is if we can't or won't scale, we will run into chaos, ineffectiveness, and we will be limited in what we can do. So we need need many kinds of teams. We need many kinds of small groups. We need people to connect small and apply their gifts, add their strengths to what we're doing as a church. And all of that is held together by Jesus now, next week, we're starting into a series about sharing the work, where we look at membership, spiritual gifting, and being part of the ministry of the church. After that, we're heading into a series about engaging in mission. See, there are contributions that only you can make to the church. You have a part to play in God's mission. See, in the community of faith, we find this belonging and acceptance and encouragement, but there is also a purpose. Now, I might be an outlier. Most teens, when you say, you know, where are you going? They just say, out. You know, <laughs> with who? Uh, friends. Well, what are, you, what are you doing? I don't know. doesn't matter. I'm just going to go and I'm going to be with my people, right? You, know, you remember being a teenager? Maybe you've got teenagers. Is that kind of what it's like? I was an outlier. I got a call from my friends, and I said, hey, do you want to hang out? And I said, and do what? I said, "Well, I don't know, we're going to just we'll figure it out together." And I was like, "Well, call me when you have a plan." And uh I've have found that I've responded better to the idea of purpose than community. You might be the exact opposite. Maybe you need a community and you found belonging and through that you found purpose, but they have to kind of go together and you see that I think throughout the church Now, I, again, I'm often motivated more by the doing than the being. Uh, And yet, God draws both things together. Uh, At the Christmas party with the staff here at Hillcrest, again, all the people who are working here got together. And it was nice to have also spouses and kids and whole families all together. And we did uh, just a meal together and uh, spent some time just kind of socializing, which was very nice. And again, I don't like it because I'm all about the purpose. So I react negatively at first. I'm like, ah, who needs a party? I don't want to do that. I, you know, give us a job and I'll do it. Again, that's me, and that's not everybody, I know. But there I am, and it was just simple. Okay, food's ready. Let's eat, and let's pray before we do. And in the moment, I think it was even Dave Moore who was praying for us of kind of just blessing the meal. And in that moment, I have this overwhelming sense of the presence of God. And I think, wow. He's drawn me together into this community. He's given me a family, even beyond my family. It's multiplied in his kingdom. And I'm overwhelmed. There is belonging and there is purpose. And we have to bring those things together in the church. See, your spiritual growth is intertwined, your maturity, even your knowledge and understanding of Christ is intertwined with the body. We read in verse 13 until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It's also that the body of Christ may be built up. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. I'm coming to the end, so, worship team, you can join me here on stage. When you are isolated and alone, it's easy to go a bit nuts. How many of you have a friend? Be careful now. How many of you have a friend that went a bit nuts during the pandemic? No, don't raise your hands. How many of you went a bit nuts in the isolation? (laughs) Lots of the pastoral care that we've done as a church in the last couple of years has been to people who are being tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. See, many of you need to Acknowledge God's design, embrace the need, and join the tribe here at Hillcrest. Some of you are actively listening to Christian teaching from all over the place, but not actually listening to what God is saying right here at Hillcrest. See, I'm not against Christian teaching, but some of you aren't connected enough here to have perspective on teaching that is cunning and crafting compared to the stuff that's really good. But instead, in verse 15, it says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect, or every respect, the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You want to experience more love, belonging, unity, and maturity in the church? Get to work. See, we need to connect small for support. Carry each other's burdens. But we also need each other. We need each other. The gifts that you bring to the table. We need you to win. See, God has been on mission since the very beginning and invites us to go on mission with him. We need those who are apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists to work together in unity and catalyze us all into the works that we were destined for. We need to know our roles and be happy. We need to be one so that we can win. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you that you give us that sense of belonging and family. And you also give us the chance to be a part of your mission what you are doing in the world. I pray that you would stir all of our hearts to be all in on what you are doing through your church in the world. Father, I pray you would help us all to know the parts that we're supposed to play, the unique gifts that we have in the body, how we can be a blessing to one another for those people who are holding back and remaining disconnected, I pray that they would experience your warm welcome, that, you'd, that they'd experience a loving embrace as they lean in. Help people to set aside fears and past hurts that would keep them from being involved in the church and lending their gifts and strengths. Help us to know how to function together. Help us to know how to work together to understand each other's gifts and how they can be applied so that we can be most effective in your grand mission. In your name we pray, amen.